This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. How are you this morning? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's been an interesting year, but we've got elections coming up, and it's great to welcome Tony Johnson, who's chair of the Hines County Election Commission, to the show this morning. I can't uh, believe really it. Uh, you know, two weeks. We're going to be... Uh, voting in two weeks. I've talked to my sister who lives in Texas. She has already early voted. Uh, I don't know if she early voted or absentee voted because she did. She is uh, over the age and is eligible in her state. My mom lives in Arkansas where they have early voting. And it's, it's interesting to learn how different states work their voting process. So I'll be really interested to hear from Tony, you know, what exactly uh, Mississippians can do uh, as uh, regard to absentee voting, because that's not early voting, which some places can do. Uh, Professor Gershon, you've got family around the country. Have any of them started voting? They have. In fact, my my, uh, older children, uh, have both uh, voted in Florida early. I mean, Florida allows early voting. Uh, and I know uh, my brother in North Carolina uh, also. Um, I mean, really, Mississippi's kind of the outlier there and not allowing more early voting. I think, you know, it, uh, when you think about having one day to vote, a day that most people have to work, it's not always that convenient. And if we're really trying to uh, encourage our, our democracy and encourage voting. I don't really understand why there's any reason why voting can't be over a period of time as opposed to just one day unless you have some kind of excuse. Uh, so, you know, that's just my two cents. It is interesting that it's a Tuesday, for Pete's sake, <laughs> that we are voting on a Tuesday, not a Saturday, and it, it is seems like it's it's pretty hard. It's it's interesting how times have changed and how they decided to make it a Tuesday in the first place. Yeah, I think I think it was a different time, and uh, you know, and we did not have the technology we have today either. Uh, I think there are a lot of different ways that we could improve the voting system. Uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that apparently registered voting, the number of registered voters is going up. Uh, And uh, I know uh, that is encouraging. We had a previous show where we talked about the fact that fewer than half of the people in the United States who are eligible to vote actually voted in the last election. And so we're allowing uh, less than a majority of our population to decide, you know, our governmental fate. Uh, And we all have a responsibility to vote. I know uh, personally at MPB, I've tried my very best to encourage people to have registered and now to encourage people who are eligible to vote by absentee. You can go to um, 
you can go to yallvote.ms and that will you know that's kind of a a cheat website yallvote.ms that takes you to the secretary of state's website that gives you all the steps that you need for telling you how you can vote absentee how you can apply for your absentee ballot you have to ask for the application for a ballot you get the application for the ballot send that in then you can get a ballot to vote absentee and it gives you the requirements for how you can vote absentee if you're over 65 or if you're going to be away from your home all the very particular ways that you can vote uh, not regularly. And then I think a lot of uh, employers, I know as employees of the state of Mississippi, we're allotted a little bit of time off to go vote and, you know, try to find that sweet spot. It's it's great to vote right when the polls open at 7 a.m., but everybody else might have that idea. And I think, you know, in the past they've said everyone who is in line at 7 p.m. gets to vote. And um, so, you know, but, you know, there may be a little bit of a log jam at 7 p.m. And then lunchtime, you know, lunchtime can be anywhere from 11 to 1. So my personal recommendation, kind of that 8 to 10 or that 2 to 4 might be a good time to uh, try to vote so that uh, you don't have to stand in line too much. And uh, Professor Gershon, I think you need to introduce our guest now. Uh, great. Well, it's great to have uh, Tony Johnson here. She is the chair of the Hines County Election Commission, uh, and this is an important election year. So, um, uh, Ms. Johnson, would you please tell us how does someone become an election commissioner? Um, Liz and Professor, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here, and this is a very important election. Um, election commissioners, we actually have to uh, run for office just like any other uh, elected official. Um, for each county, there are uh, five commissioners. Um, we coincide with your county supervisor district. Um, and we run during the years of presidential elections because typically here in Mississippi, there is some type of election every year, and we're probably working that. Um, so to, to, to qualify to run for office uh, as election commissioner, uh, you can run as a Democrat, Republican, or independent. Uh, we are nonpartisan because we handle elections. For, uh, for all across the board. Uh, you get your 50 signatures of qualified voters in your particular district, um, and you turn those into the circuit clerk's office in your uh, respectable county, and then you're on the ballot. Of course, you can't have been convicted of certain crimes that prevent you from holding office. Um, and we now serve uh, staggered terms. Districts 1, 3, and 5, um, this year on the ballot, uh, if re-elected, you will serve three-year terms. Districts 2 and 4, uh, they will serve four-year terms. Um, and the legislature passed that bill to keep from there not being any five new commissioners in any uh, county. You could imagine that would be kind of hectic if you had all new commissioners at one time uh, trying to navigate the election. Well, that's that's interesting. I mean, you you mentioned that once somebody's a new commissioner, what what kind of training did you have to go through after you were elected 
Um, it's okay. not something that we, we uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. So um, we, we work hand-in-hand with the Mississippi Secretary of State's office. Um, our current Secretary of State is uh, Mr. Michael Watson. So every year, uh, by statute, election officials are required to complete uh, a rigorous course of training through the Secretary of State. Uh, we do uh, that training. ECAM, which is the um, Association of Election Commissioners for Mississippi, um, and that's conducted by the Secretary of State, uh, Attorney General's Office. We have someone from the State Archival Office, as well as uh, the Exit Commission. They give us a three- to four-day rigorous training, uh, but we get a certification. And by law, we have to have that certification uh, in order to run elections. Tony, this is Liz. I, you know, looked at my sample ballot and saw that my election commissioner, we're reelecting. Uh, there's an incumbent running. It doesn't say incumbent, uh, but I, right. I did my due diligence and looked it up. And then there is an additional person. There are two people running uh, where I live. Just okay. learning about the duties, it, it boggles the mind what an important job this is. What are your duties? as an election commissioner? Well, do you want the, the duties of the election commissioner or the duties we have to take on? So by law, uh, we uh, keep the maintenance of your voter rolls for whatever county you're in. Um, I say the circuit clerks put them on. It's up to the election commissioner either take them off or maintain those rolls, and that's for the active voters list, um, as well as people that become inactive if they die. So we are charged with maintaining the voter rolls. Um, we also are charged with um, training and hiring all of your poll workers. Uh, we order the ballots for each election. Uh, we make sure that we work one-on-one -on -one with the election vendors to have our uh, machines coded uh, to make sure that the machines are tested properly before and after elections. Uh, we pack those blue and red bags that you all see on election day. Um, and in between that, here in Hines County and other counties, we try to do uh, voter education when we can. Due to the pandemic, that's been a little bit hard, but the voter education pieces, um, trying to help voters understand their districts, the boundaries they're in, uh, where to find sample ballots, uh, the do's and don'ts of going to the polls and precincts on election day, uh, mailing out voter registration cards for people that request duplicate ones. Um, so those, those are the duties of the election commissioner. We run special uh, and general elections for that county. So in the event that someone's seat is vacated or someone dies or resigns within that prospective county, uh, when there's a special election, uh, the county commissioners are charged with that duty of conducting that. Everybody probably knows who's running for president, but you need to find out who's running for election commissioner in your district because that is such a very, very, very important job. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Our guest is Tony Johnson, one of the Hines County election commissioners. Every day, the support from listeners and viewers of MPB is turned into programs and channels that deliver a valuable public service. MPB and you, let's do this together. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. 
This is In Legal Terms. Now, not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. This morning, we're talking about the upcoming general election with Tony Johnson, one of the Hines County election commissioners. You are the chair of the Hines County Election Commission, and um, so I, how does that, how do, Tony? How do you select poll workers? I know that's part of the the role you have to play, and and how do you train them? Well, um, so by statute, uh, we select our poll workers. You have to be a registered voter in your particular county. Um, so a lot of our poll workers, um, they've been with us even before I came on board. I'm finishing out my first term uh, ending four years. Uh, so a lot of them have uh, been working the polls 15, 20 years. Uh, and when they get ready to either transition or move on, uh, they may recommend people that they've helped train. Um, and recently, due to the pandemic, we've had to uh, do a poll watcher blitz where we uh, recruited an additional about 200 workers, uh, basically due to the age of the population of the majority of our workers. Um, some of them were, uh, most of them were 65 years of age and older, uh, and so they opted not to work uh, due to health reasons and underlying conditions and, of course, uh, recommendations for family and friends uh, due to this pandemic. Uh, so what we did, uh, we did an all-out list on, on the radio, uh, the media, um, and we had some additional funding from the CARES Act to give those poll workers that are coming in during this pandemic an extra boost, an extra $25 uh, in their uh, pay. So that is what we did. We reached out to community members, uh, college students, uh, that were interested in the election process and didn't mind learning and working, and so we recruited them. Uh, we had to do a condensed training uh, this time. took about a month and a half because we only wanted to put about 10 people uh, in our training uh, location at one time, uh, but we did a condensed training uh, at, a, at a local church that allowed us to use their auditorium where we could space out. Um, we went through the do's and don'ts and the new laws as it relates to election, and we finished our last class uh, last Saturday. Well, I mean, it's what, what an amazing time to be trying to get ready for an election. Uh, I know you had a special election that you've done uh, the uh, other elections earlier this year, but okay. this is a big one. Um, I, I, do you think, I, I, um, I, will this change the way we do elections in the future, the, you know, the whole process that we've had to do now? Well, I think it, it may change the way we train. Uh, we did have some online training that was available, but most of our poll workers felt the same way we felt. Um, there's just only so much training you can do online when you're dealing with the election, and you want to be able to give people uh, as many resources, as many hands-on experiences um, as you can during training and give them an opportunity to ask questions uh, and be very interactive. Um, I think this pandemic has changed the way we do a lot of things going forward. Uh, but fortunately, running elections and voting in person uh, is one of those things that people still still kind of prefer to do uh, in person. There's only so much, like I said, that you can do online. So uh, having a condensed class, um, that helped with the numbers. But overall, our poll workers, uh, they wanted to have an in-person training, be able to ask questions, 
uh, you know, touch and feel the equipment that they will be using. Some of these people have never worked um, in the precincts before, so it's very important uh, for us to make sure that they feel comfortable uh, doing training and that all of their questions were answered and that they were ready to go for election day. Thank you. One of the one of the things that uh, we heard on the on the news today. Um, waiting for the show to start was that more people are buying homes because they need more space now um, as everybody's staying home, uh, students are working from home and things like that. But so if, if there are people changing addresses. What, what do voters do if they change their addresses after they register to vote? How, how will that affect them? question. Uh, we are encouraging people that have moved even uh, during the pandemic or even before uh, to call the election commission uh, or even their circuit clerk's office in their county to go ahead and update that information now. Oftentimes, if people have moved, that means that your precinct has changed. If your precinct has changed, we want voters to know that you need a new car and we want them to be familiar with that and make a voting plan so that on election day uh, there won't be any confusion. If they go to the correct precinct, uh, they will be able to find their name on the poll book and be able to cast their ballot. So uh, that was a really great question. The people have moved. If people haven't voted in uh, the last several elections for whatever reason, um, it's a good idea to check your registration status. You may very well be uh, inactive. Uh, if you place two federal elections, it could be a possibility that you could be removed from the voter roll. Uh, so better safe than sorry, we just ask people to call, check their, uh, with their commissioner's office to make sure they're still on the books. If they don't know where their precinct is, we'll, we'll be happy to uh, send another registration card out to them. Tony, this is Liz. Have we already passed that date? We are two weeks from the actual election day. If if people haven't changed their uh, address, is it too late to change it now? It's not. Uh, we're going to. I would say we would be safe for another week, Liz, due to um, we had a House Bill 1521 um, that allowed. Um, of course, the absentee process changed, so we have an additional five days to get those ballots in, and people have until uh, 5 p.m. on October 31st in their clerk's office. At that particular time, we'll run the updates for the poll books, but the sooner the better. Let's not wait to the last minute. Well, that's that's great information. I, you know. Um and so I'm really happy that you gave us that information because I know I know the last day to register was October 5th, but it's great to know that people can still update their addresses. Um, who, who decides? You mentioned precincts. How, who decides where people vote uh, each year? Well, that is drawn up. Um, if you're familiar with the redistricting and the census that happens uh, every every ten years or so. That information uh, is based on population and how they draw lines when it comes to legislative districts and supervisor districts. Um, so that and that kind of works hand in hand with determining the precincts, uh, the county population. Uh, also is a determining factor in that. In the event that a precinct closes or we have to change it, um, we don't actually make those changes. We make the recommendation. Um, legally, the Board of Supervisors for that particular county uh, will decide yay or nay on a, on a precinct change. But typically, the precincts are determined, the number of precincts are determined by uh, by the population for those counties or those municipalities. Um, here in Hines County, we have 108 precincts. Wow, that's so that's all. so. If someone moves, they they really very much likely could be in a different precinct. Um, is, is the commission? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is 
Is, are you responsible also for absentee ballots, or is that, is that someone else? That is going to be the, uh, the circuit clerk uh, who's responsible for keeping and administering those. Uh, the commission, we ordered the ballots based on uh, the, the voting population for that particular county, uh, but the actual circuit clerk in each county is responsible for um, administering absentee ballots, the keeping of absentee ballots uh, until uh, election day when they're to be processed. Did you have any problems ordering ballots? Uh, I know we've heard some national stories where different uh, uh, voter uh, uh, races have been left off of ballots or there have been misprints. How did how did ours go? Um, ours went very, very good. The only uh, small issue we had early on, we had to make sure that our uh, flags referendum was in color, but we got that worked out, and so uh, our ballots are here, and we're ready to rock and roll. Well, that's that's great. I, so much, I really give you such credit this year because uh, we know uh, we actually. I think the listeners may not remember this, but um, you were in charge of a special election on September 22nd. We actually had you scheduled on the show then, and, and you had to uh, go off for an emergency. So um, I don't think people right. understand how hard your job is and how much you have to do. We we appreciate you. Um, now, no, no, thank well, you. Oh, absolutely. Let me. What? What is your background? Why, what made you think you wanted to be a commissioner? So uh, my background, full disclaimer, is, uh, is public policy. Um, I, I went into the election process. Um, I started at an early age. When I turned 18, uh, my father, uh, my family, said we, we are adamant about voting. We're adamant about doing our civic engagement. Um, so I came from a household and a background uh, of public policy at a very early age. I, I law clerked um, during college uh, at Bellhaven. I participated in mock trial. Um, so I've always had a, a foretaste for public policy and city and county government. Um, when I was 18, um, I would go into uh, the precinct to vote, and I would hear people complain that said their name wasn't on the poll book or they voted here for 20 years and you can't find their name. So a lot of people would say, well, that's an issue of the circuit clerk. But when I actually researched it and I found out that there are county election commissioners and that they were charged with making sure that the world and polls were updated. And so when I began to see, okay, well, maybe this is where the issue comes from, Maybe we need to have younger people or new people with fresh ideas in these county commissioners to help their process. And so that is how I began uh, my journey at becoming an election commissioner. Stepping up to public service. Oh, my gosh. It gives me goosebumps. I can just hear the Star Spangled Banner playing in the background. Our guest today is Tony Johnson, one of the Hines County Election Commissioners. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. It's our fall drive time. Listener and viewer support is the most reliable source of income for Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It takes input and financial support from thousands of listeners and viewers to bring this service to your neighborhood. Your contribution is an investment in any amount, and it can change lives. 
With your financial support, MPB brings you Morning Edition. Here and now, in All Things Considered, you fund midday programs that cover topics essential to our daily lives. A gift in any amount will make a difference. Please do your part right now at mpbonline.org. Call 888-372-4483. MPB and you, let's do this together. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you will subscribe to our podcast. Man, we are in the age of podcasts now. There are lots of different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict. My husband is a stitcher. We we have we have separate uh, uh, identities, but we try to live together as a family. <laughs> I downloaded the podcast app to my phone. I touch the plus. That takes me a page to search for just the thousands of different podcasts that there are in the world. I typed in in legal terms in the search area, and then that brought up our show in legal terms. It's got the little columns, uh, uh, a democracy-looking columns that are there, and I'm able to touch the photo of us, and then I... can subscribe to it and that way i'm notified when any new episodes are up speaking of up up next at 11 a.m is our tuesday southern remedy show relatively speaking with dr susan buttress but this morning we are talking about the november 3rd 2020 election two weeks from today folks november 3rd with our guest tony johnson one of the hines county election commissioners and Tony, this is, you know, uh, everybody knows it's a presidential year, and we really uh, appreciate you joining us. But what other, what other uh, uh, things will people be voting for on November 3rd? Absolutely, and that's a very good point. Uh, we want people uh, to familiarize themselves with the ballot. Uh, we have uh, sample ballots that are being, that will be available on um, the Hines County um, Election Commission website. But we've got a couple things. Uh, of course, we have the flag referendum. Uh, the medical marijuana will be on there. Um, we have we call it HRC seven which will be the referendum uh, about the governor receiving the majority or the popular vote for Mississippi, whether they do away with that um, or keep that on there. Um, your county election commissioners will be on the ballot. Um, you will have, of course, your presidential race. Um, you will have your uh, congressional districts, uh, first, second, third, and fourth, um, as well as your U.S. Senate races um, on the ballot. So uh, with a long ballot, front and back. Uh, we do encourage voters to get a sample ballot, but of course, for those uh, counties like Hines County that we actually have paper ballots, want you to read front and back uh, on both sides and both the entire ballot. Now, I think I went and looked at my sample ballot. Um, one of the, the little shortcut for y'allvote.ms that directs you to the Secretary of State's office where you can uh, type in your address. It helps you find your polling place. You can see the sample ballot for your area. Uh, is, is there a—did you mention it, there's a Supreme Court justices uh, possibly to vote for? Supreme Court justices, which are um, nonpartisan, they will be on the ballot if we. And, and uh, Professor Gershon, remind us again 
I, you know, we, we're a government broadcast, and we don't want to sway people's votes one way or the other, but one of these initiatives, the legislature wants to repeal an effort that had been made during re Reconstruction to disenfranchise individuals. Is that that was the original purpose of uh, this one piece of legislation that we're voting for or uh, right. voting on? Right, Liz. I mean, really, uh, that was a, a situation where it was really the legislature that would ultimately elect the governor, not the people. This will change that so that, uh, in fact, um, the, the, the vote of the people will control who elects the governor. There was some concern in the last election that it might be close, uh, close enough for the, uh, even though there might be a popular vote going one way, the legislature may appoint someone else by their vote, and, and that would remove that possibility. So you would vote no on that if you wanted the legislature to possibly eventually elect statewide offices, but you would vote yes to repeal it if you wanted your own vote to elect statewide offices. Right, and, and, I'm, and I'm not, uh, you know, um, trying to encourage anybody to do anything, but the, the lieutenant governor was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he, he was uh, happy to put that forward because he thought it was a, a good change. I think, there, I think there'll be bipartisan support for that. Um, uh, again, not, uh, that's just my opinion, and, and the lieutenant governor also expressed that opinion as well. Um, you know, so I mean, there's a lot on on the on the ballot, and and Tony, I know this this year for you, an extra added layer of, of concern has to be how do you, how do you prepare to protect voters during a pandemic? Are there special me uh, measures you're making? Yeah, there there are special measures we're making. Um, of course, we're asking voters. Um, we're asking them to wear a face covering or mask. Um, no voter will be turned away. Um, they'll just say, don't come into the precinct with that on. Uh, we have provided masks at each precinct uh, for voters as well as poll workers. Uh, we're providing white ball, uh, hand sanitizer, uh, bleach wipes, and that's actually part of our training initiative. Each precinct got an additional one to three workers based on the size uh, to help clean and sanitize and wipe things down. Uh, we are trying to provide every voter with uh, a disposable pen in Hines County to cut down on contamination and cross, uh, you know, just cross the pen. You know, that's something in the past we kind of took for granted, but with this particular virus, uh, we want to cut down on the contact between voters. Uh, we're asking voters uh, to maintain social distancing in the precinct. We will be providing uh, labels and stickers that we'll be asking to vote, uh, the poll managers to place on the floor um, before they open to so kind of space voters apart. Uh, we're asking people not to, to, to come in and crowd, bring children or extra people. Uh, we know this is a monumental election, but uh, we want to try to get the voters in and out. Uh, at the precincts where they can accommodate us, we've come up with one entrance in and one entrance out so that the voters uh, don't cross paths. want to keep people as separate as possible. Um, and again, we just ask people to be patient um, and adhere to the CDC guidelines uh, so that we can vote safely, uh, have a controlled environment. And I heard Liz talk about those peak times as I was coming on earlier. Uh, in the event that you can vote uh, during non-peak times, which will be uh, in between the lunch hour, right after the polls open and, be, and, and right before they get ready to close, 
that may cut down on some of the traffic, even though I anticipate it to be high volume everywhere the entire day. Well, I'm excited that the election commission was able to get their hands on some Lysol wipes. I need to I need to make some yeah. friends with Tony, figure out where she got those. Lysol wipes, and we've got some uh, face shields that the secretary of state is providing. We've got gloves that we'll be giving out as well for the voters as well as the poll workers to utilize. So we're ready. We've done a great job on training. We just want people to be very patient and be kind uh, because we do anticipate long lines. Um, as of yesterday, we had almost uh, 8,500 people that had voted uh, absentee in person in Hines County. So if that's any indication of what election day would look like, uh, you know, we have our work cut out for So, Tony, we've only got about a minute and a half left. Uh, If folks want to vote absentee by mail, they have to call in to get an application, get the application, fill it out, get it notarized, send it back. They get the ballot, then they have to fill that out, get it notarized, and send it back to vote absentee. But if they want to vote absentee in person, how do they do that? They can go to their local county courthouse um, any day during the week between 8 and 5. On this Saturday, the county clerk's office is open until 8 until 12. And on Saturday, October 31st, they'll be open 8 until 5. They can do that in person during the week, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and the last two Saturdays of this month. They can go there to see in person. We have been talking about the upcoming general election with Tony Johnson, one of the Hines County election commissioners. Tony, I'm just in awe of your public service, and uh, I have a new respect for election commissioners and supervisors, which, to tell the truth, I hadn't really paid any attention to before, but now I'm going to do my homework and read up on that. I'm Liz Gill. My co-host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. This is in legal terms. You already know MPB Think Radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you. But instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars, how about axles? Trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers. Your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org support. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 